say the biggest challenge with farming is the consistency. And I think yeah. I see it a lot where I see agents put out uh, marketing materials via farming once or twice in the spring, and then they never do it again. Yeah. And then honestly, I, I say to agents, you might as well have just throw the money out because you're not going to get anywhere with that. And I think that's the challenge for a lot of people with farming is that we call it that for a reason is that it is that concept of planting the seeds, you know, watering the seeds, providing fertilizer for the seeds, you know, making yes. sure it has sunlight. And it only is after some time that you actually start to see uh, the benefits from those seeds that you planted. Mm -hmm. Where I find, unfortunately, in our industry, everyone's looking for that kind of magic pill solution of what's that instant sale that I do this yeah. action and I get a sale right away. And, and that's not farming. Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage, and in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level up. Welcome everybody to Level Up, a very special episode today. Um, I'm speaking with Jacqueline Pennington, a broker with Remax Hallmark, and uh, she works out in the Northumberland area, surrounding areas. And I've wanted to have Jacqueline on our podcast for quite some time because she is truly an inspiring realtor, just in terms of what she gives back to her community and the industry as well. And uh, thank you so much for coming on, Jacqueline. I appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. It's an absolute privilege to be here. So I love being here with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why don't we start with um, giving you an opportunity to brag a little bit. I invite you to brag all you want because you've done so much um, and just accomplished so much. And I think it would be great for people to hear where you're at now. Okay. Uh, I'm probably the worst person to ask that. I'm going to be a little bit bashful. Um, yeah. So I guess a little bit about me. So yes, I do sell real estate in a fairly small rural Ontario community known as Northumberland. So most people know that as Coburn Fort Hope. Uh, I started as a solo agent and here I am today. So uh, I am uh, number one in our local marketplace, which in itself you know, I don't that's think fine. that's really the be all. Well, thank you. I don't think it's necessarily the be all and the end all, but uh, it's yeah. really just about in terms of being client focused and uh, wanting to, to reach goals and essentially pursue higher, greater things that we can do in the community as a result of those achievements. So I'd say that's really, if I were to talk about my success, I think that's honestly actually what's been the most important piece to me uh, is real estate has allowed me to give back financially uh, to my community, specifically charitable organizations I really care about. And uh, in a way that I really didn't think that I would ever be able to. So I would say that's really honestly my biggest win. So, yeah. Oh, that's incredible. And I love watching you on uh, Instagram and social media, just kind of seeing you with your beautiful family as well. So it's really mm -hmm. nice to, uh, yeah, just to see what you're up to and what you've managed to accomplish over your career. Um, so we've got, um, you know, people from different backgrounds, different experiences, brand new agents, as well as agents that have been in the business for a while. So I always find it helpful just to get an understanding about how you got started and really mm -hmm. what your focus was when you started um, in this business. 
Yeah, so um, I started when I was quite young. So I was 23, which is pretty young still for this wow. industry, although we're seeing a lot more younger people come in. Um, and I actually, I started as a completely solo agent. So I went to my local Remax at the time, uh, signed up there and literally showed up and kind of just tried to figure it out. I think like most of us do as, as time went along. So I didn't start with the team, to be honest, back then teams weren't really the type of, you know, common thing that we see now. Um, I didn't know anybody in the real estate industry either. I didn't have any friends or family members. Uh, so I very quite literally started full time, um, jumped in, in both feet, full force in and uh, actually left behind a job I worked with the government previously to do that. So uh, started in 2008. So the beginning of a recession and uh, never looked back since. <laughs> so when you were getting into it, um, what how, how did you like, where did you want to, where did you decide to focus your time when you first started? Yeah, always a good question. So I think on obviously trying to find business, I think that's where most of us probably spend our time. Yeah. Um, and I believe that's probably one of the biggest challenges of our industry is that there really isn't a book on that in terms of it's not really covered in any education is how do you actually attract clients and get people to want to work with you? Yeah. Uh, for me as well, I wasn't um, very well uh, situated in the community in the sense I didn't have a sphere of influence. Um, I didn't grow up in Coburg where I now live and I trade real estate. So for me, a lot of it was kind of some of the old school tactics. So oddly enough, I actually had a book, if you can believe it, called Real Estate for Dummies. Uh, it, was the, it, was, it was literally that book. And I swear to you that that book was one of the best books I bought. And I read tons of books in the beginning of how to get business in terms of million dollar uh, agent, things like that. But that was it became my Bible. And I literally have the book still where um, I've got it highlighted and sticky notes. And I just went through that book and did the things that it told me to do because I didn't know what I was doing. So down to in terms of calling FISBOs, we were allowed to call for sale by owners at that time. Um, in terms of open houses, door knocking. Uh, and a lot of what I did for business was actually try to do open houses for more um, experienced agents in my office to essentially mm -hmm. try to build a relationship with them in order to get leads. So very much kind of, I'd say the old tried and tested measures in terms of what I used to attract clients in the beginning. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I think it always comes down to the back to the basics of, you know, yeah. the types of activities that we do, obviously it's changed a little bit with social media and all that, but at the end of the day, it's just really how to find the people and connect with them and have real conversations. And for myself as well, open houses was the way I got most of my business. And then it just kind of developed from there. So that's really mm -hmm. great. Now, in terms of the area you focused on, did you solely focus on the Coburg area at first, or did you set out to kind of be a little bit more wider and then narrow it down afterwards? Yeah, so I trade an area called Northumberland County, which consists of Coburg, Port Hope and Brighton. Okay. I only still to this day trade within those boundaries. So I would say that I'm a little bit unique in the sense that um, I sell within about a three minute radius of my house because uh, I'm kind of centered right in the middle of the county. That's where I started selling and I've actually never stopped selling that area. Uh, so even if it's a listing, you know, 40 minutes, if it's outside Northumberland County, I will not take it. I will not deal with it. So um, I'm a very hyper, hyper localized agent. That's really good. And I find a lot of people get caught in that trap, especially these days of like going everywhere, wherever a client yeah. takes you. Did you find it hard to put that boundary in place for yourself, especially when we're getting started? 
Not necessarily um, in terms of, to be honest, I'm sure probably honestly, when I started, I might've done that a little bit more, but even again, that was 15 years ago. And at the time mm-hmm. it was not normal to sell outside your area. Sure. Yeah. So again, if I, you know, we didn't even have access to the comparable sales in those other markets. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it really wasn't. And the way in my philosophy has always been is that, you know, how I can kind of uh create my day in terms of I'm always going to be 30 minutes away from the next appointment. So Mm -hmm. it's very easy for me to structure my day in time blocks. The second that I go to a listing or showing that it's 45 minutes away, it actually completely messes up my entire schedule. Um, So I always looked at that and I still do my philosophy is that a sign in the yard in another community doesn't do anything to build my business that it would Mm -hmm. in a sign in the yard in my community. Um, So it's honestly not really been much of an issue for me. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, now in terms of marketing activities, like you did open houses you, you to meet people and all that, but to establish yourself as the mm-hmm. local expert, what were some of the activities or what are the activities that you continue to do to this day? Um, and did you kind of, have you taken the ones that you did before and kind of ramp them up to a larger scale at this point or how, how is it that you built that up? Yeah. Um, so pretty early on, actually, within my first year, I actually did develop a or had developed a logo for myself. Um, it was it's it's pretty crummy when I look back on it. Yeah. Now, but again, <laughs> at, at that time, you know, it still wasn't normal for an agent to have their own brand or logo. So when I did that, nobody else in my marketplace had their own logo. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very much you were the brand in whichever office or company you sold sure. for. That was the brand. So I really did try to focus on creating an individual brand for myself. Um, and then in terms of kind of keywords and areas that I focused on with that brand were really around being a real estate advisor and an advocate. Um, mm. My background was in children's advocacy work. So I really tried to leverage that to have a bit of a different approach than the typical sales approach to real estate. Um, so that was really truthfully from a marketing perspective where I started. Um, I've done a lot in terms of when it comes to social media, uh, farming, which I know we'll probably get into. Yeah. Um, I started on Facebook, I want to say probably 2009 or so. And again, at that time, uh, Facebook was barely out of the gate. And uh, I certainly got teased a bit from some of the veteran agents about that that was a ridiculous place to spend your time in terms of (laughs) on Facebook. Nobody's going to buy a house off you because they see you on Facebook. That was actually something that I was regularly told. Um, So (laughs) kind of of, we all laugh at that now because I think we know that's certainly not the case. Right, exactly. No, it's funny when you talk about like all of the things that thinking back, like I started about, I guess, 13 years ago and looking back at my old listings even, and just, I'm so embarrassed with like the pictures and like just the presentation. I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing how far we've come just in terms of marketing and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's an interesting progression. Um, So yeah, getting into farming a little bit, I think honestly, I feel like that's such a great area for people to start as well as progress and grow within their career. Like it's something that you don't really need to ever leave. It's just, you can kind of ramp up as you get bigger and, uh, you know, have more opportunity to, uh, marketing dollars and putting money into that kind of stuff. So from a farming perspective, um, what sort of advertising did you do? Was it like postcards? Like what, what were the ways that you kind of got out there and got the word out about your name? Mm-hmm. So I started with postcards and that is still predominantly what I do. So I don't okay. really do much in terms of flyers. Uh, the only thing that kind of comes out that's like that is I do regular newsletters on the market, but um, okay. it's always actually been pretty 
pretty much postcards. So I started with doing your basic just sold postcards. I don't do those as much anymore. I've kind of pivoted to doing something a little bit more unique just because I've been at it for a while. Um, but yeah, farming has unquestionably been the biggest way in which I've grown my business and established myself in a specific marketplace. Mm-hmm. And what, like, I know consistency is key. Um, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how do you stay consistent? Like, do you, do you find that it's, it's a challenge sometimes to continue to put out, you know, similar things over and over again, or do you find that it's kind of helps to give you some, like, just keep, keep things going the way that it, just, I guess, keep things, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like, just, I don't keep know. It fresh. Kind of, keep it fresh. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, I would say the biggest challenge with farming is the consistency. And I think yeah. I see it a lot where I see agents put out, uh, marketing materials via farming once or twice in the spring, and then they never do it again. Yeah. And then honestly, I, I say to agents, you might as well have just thrown the money out because you're not going to get anywhere with that. And I think that's the challenge for a lot of people with farming is that we call it that for a reason is that it is that concept of planting the seeds, you know, watering the seeds, providing fertilizer for the seeds, you know, making sure it has sunlight. And it only is after some time that you actually start to see uh, the benefits from those seeds that you planted. Mm -hmm. Where I find, unfortunately, in our industry, everyone's looking for that kind of magic pill solution of what's that instant sale that I do this action and I get a sale right away. And and that's not farming. Um, That being said, the one thing I always say with farming is start small. You don't want to blow your budget and do big drops once a year. You want to start small and just keep hitting that area time, time, and time again. Um, For us, we do keep content fresh, but we do try to make sure that the actual branding is always the same. So every card we have is going to look very similar because we want them to know that when they get that in their mailbox, that they're just consistently seeing that Jacqueline Pennington card, not somebody else's. Yeah, no. And I see that even with the postcards that we receive at our house, you know, it's the consistent like color and look is what, you know, will remind you of that name. So I know that's really important. Um, When you are looking at a farm, like I know people often wonder, like, what, where do I focus? Do I focus on where I live, which to me seems like the easiest way, because you're in that area already. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of natural. But do you find that sometimes people will focus on a different area? Like, would you recommend that depending on the situation? Yeah, I think so. So for example, a lot of what you want to look at is perhaps an area that's not already being overly saturated, which I know is sometimes hard to find. Uh, So in my particular market, we have two kind of town city cores, and then we have the rural outskirts. So I started by farming the more urban areas of my market, and I found I really didn't get a lot of um, calls on those. I didn't really get a lot off that investment. So then I started to try to kind of do different areas. And as soon as we started to do the rural aspect of my market, some of their outskirt markets, I was getting so many calls. So every time Mm -hmm. I would do a drop, I would get three to five calls versus if I did an urban drop, I might only get one to two if I was lucky. And what I started to realize with that is that Although a lot of realtors weren't necessarily farming in the more urban areas, they're getting overly saturated with mail in general. So they're getting your no frill flyers and all of the other mail pieces, whereas in the country, um, most businesses aren't investing in that same way. So when they were getting my postcard, it was one of the only pieces of mail they were getting. 
And there is a bit of just kind of trial with that type of thing in terms of really determining where you're getting those calls. Um, And I think a lot of it's what you want to grow for your business. So by doing that, I really established myself locally as a country rule expert. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure as you, I know you follow me, if you see my listings, it is a lot of country rural kind of state style properties. Uh, And that was by design because that's the farm that I really went after and tried to position myself to, to be the market expert in. Yeah, that's really good. Um, did you have like a certain number of postcards that you were sending out? Like, where did you start? And where are you at now? Now in terms of numbers? Yeah. So I started small, I started with about 5000. Uh, 5000 was kind of the key number that I would do. And I would do that at a minimum once a month. Um, I do stagger my numbers based on the time of year. So most of my farm material is actually going out in the winter. A lot of people think to start in the spring, the way that I look at that is that if you wait until March mm-hmm. to start farming, chances are I've already been in that door of that person's house back in January to meet a CMA for them. So um, again, kind of throughout the months of November, December, January, February is actually my key marketing time for farming where I'm doing drops more regularly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as I said, I started with about 5,000. Now I actually do farm to pretty much my whole market, which is about 3,000 homes. Wow. And are you sending out postcards monthly to all of those households? Pretty much, but again, I uh, don't do necessarily the same. So I have some material where I will do the same postcard to everyone. And then I still do traditional sold postcards to certain areas. So again, if I'm doing one town, I'll do uh, sold postcards specific to something I've sold in that area. And then I have as well material that I send out to everywhere. So those are things like market updates um, or specialized kind of marketing that I'm looking at. Okay. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Like, it, like just looking back to where you started and now where you're at in terms of 30,000 households that you're marketing to is, is amazing. Um, when you, so when you first started with the postcards, how long did it take for you to start seeing the results and people like more of the consistent calls to you? Yep. About a year, I would okay. say a year before I started getting the calls. And again, I started it when I was pretty young. Uh, so what I was finding a lot of the time is I was getting the calls, not as though those people actually wanted to list with me. It was, oh, we're, ca- we're calling this person. We're calling that person. Uh, that young girl keeps sending us stuff. Let's just see what she has to say. So I was always a little bit of that kind of, you know, let's just throw her in and see what she has to say. So my, my uh, conversion rate was very, very poor in the beginning. But then mm. again, certainly that's something that's improved a lot over the years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And did you have anybody that like, was there anybody else in the area at the time that was like a bigger agent, a well known that was consistent in the in farming as well? Or were you kind of branching out on your own? Yeah, there were certainly agents who did farming in my market, but I would say no one ever did it very consistently. So there was a few that would do them quarterly. um, Mm -hmm. But what I did find is essentially spring market would come and it would be kind of, you know, almost in terms of, you know, um, uh, I was going to say the hedgehog, but um, what is that called? The uh, no, I can't help Willie. you. <laughs> Willie. Okay. I was like, what's that little like rodent that comes out of the grass when the spring happens? Oh, oh, I'm um, gra- uh, groundhog. I was going to say grasshopper. Well, I was going to say bait. I was like, the, the groundhog comes out and then yes. all the realtors start farming. Yes, uh, yes. And that's what I always found. So yeah. I would say lots of people were doing it, but nobody was doing it truthfully very well or very consistently. 
Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, yeah. Je- yeah. Jennifer Evelyn just said groundhog on Facebook. Thank you. Groundhog. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's probably like, it's not the head. I'm like, that's what the hedgehog rodent thing comes out of. Very ground. similar. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Uh, yeah. Same but for thing. everybody watching on Facebook, if you do have any questions for Jacqueline, feel free to drop them into the chat and I'll, I'll make sure to ask her. Um, but yeah. okay. So you've got postcards. What about community events? Is that something that you mm-hmm. focused on and what are the ones that you found has been really effective for you? So I do a lot in terms of sponsorship of community events. I actually still to this day have never hosted my own personal community okay, event, if you can believe it. That's yeah. Cool. Um, and I guess the way that I always looked at it is that it's better for me, and this is just my personal decision around it, I would rather financially support a charitable organization that can benefit from that event than have an event that's specifically, you know, there to benefit myself and my business, if that makes sense. Totally. Um, so what we've done is we've really focused on uh, supporting community events that are important to us and important to our community, but really important to our clients as well. So for example, I sponsor things like handbags for hospice. Uh, We've got a big pride event coming up uh, this weekend as well. And um, so what I've always focused on doing is essentially both financially supporting the event, but then as part of that sponsorship, I always get tickets for my clients. I always attend the events as well. Um, So again, I find that that's just a nice fusion for me, uh, that that way I can ensure that the money is going to a charity or organization that really needs it. And then at the same side, usually they're concerts or theaters or something in terms of kind of performance aspect or an event that clients can attend and enjoy that experience as well. I love that. I've actually never really thought about it in that way before because we're constantly always trying to recreate the wheel as realtors, right? And like try to just create our own thing to give us the highlight, the spotlight. But I love that you do that. And I feel like that people, because they already know you, recognize that mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're, that's genuine you and giving back to your community and just really making sure the money goes to the right place in the first place is really important. So I really, really Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's the community event side. Is there anything else in terms of farming that you've found has been really um, effective for you uh, in terms of marketing or whatever else that you might be doing? Yeah, I think honestly, a lot of it's just about consistency as well as cohesiveness with a brand. So in terms of a lot of us do social media or do farmers or various things like that. And what we've always really focused on is that in terms of if you see something online and it shows up in your mailbox, there's going to be some consistency with that as well. So when we're sending things out via print um, marketing, we are usually doing a similar campaign or something that can kind of work off that from social media as well. So again, it just making sure that when people see you via your sign, your postcard, a billboard, social media, whatever it is, that they're just seeing that consistency. Uh, And they know, and I think that's the goal for any of us, is that when they drive by those signs or they see something in their mail, that it's very clear and obvious to them who that is coming from and what that brand stands for. Yeah, definitely. Have you had a challenge with keeping a consistent brand. I don't know about you, but I find that sometimes I, I, I like to change a lot. So sometimes it's hard to like keep the same look for more than a few years. Have you found that? Or like, do you hire a branding person to kind of really give you that solid look to begin with? I do. So I actually have a full-time marketing staff. So she's been with me now for seven years. Um, So I have the best of the best. And to be honest, I think I probably would be more likely to do that in terms of kind of classic realtor. I have a bit of ADHD of let's change to this to change to that. Um, But I'm also not shy about the fact that Megan, my marketing manager, uh, I report to her. So um, (laughs) if she she controls a lot of that and controls in terms of me changing it. So the JP, as you can see from here, that's been pretty consistent now for probably about 10 years. 
Um, so biggest change we made is we went from black to a navy uh, because again, the navy is more consistent with the Remax brand that we work with and we wanted to have some consistency there as well. Um, mm -hmm. But again, that little JP, that's I've had that probably for about 10 years. So yeah. yes, I think sometimes I probably like any realtor get drawn to, oh, maybe we should change this or move a little bit this way. Yeah. Um, and this year we actually did update the lettering a little bit on it. It's very actually easy. I'm pointing right behind me. Um, <laughs> but again, it's very, very consistent. So if you look back at 10 years ago, there's not a lot uh, that has changed. And yes, my marketing manager even actually uh, designed what's behind me right now. So that, that's how on top of things that she oh is my gosh. consistency. Yes. And she picked the paint color, which is the exact color of my blue in my uh, branding. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it's such a classic logo, right? And I think that's really probably maybe something for people to recognize is that if you're going to be choosing a logo or a font or something like the more classic, probably the better, because it probably stands the test of time a little bit better that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the thing for us in real estate is I know, and I think we all see that, that people change quite a bit. And, you know, I think we're all kind of drawn to that. But when you look at the big names in terms of McDonald's or, or any large Nike brand like that, they make slight adjustments to their logos, but they never do a 360. Exactly. Uh, and there was a reason for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I love that. So switching from geographic farming, which you've done an incredible job building and sustaining and staying consistent with, which I think all of us really want to strive towards, your team, like you've <laughs> built a team. When did you hire or who did you hire first? I guess is the first question. Yeah. So my first hire was actually the marketing staff. So I hired okay. her originally uh, on a part-time basis. So she worked with me. I think we started her at 10 hours a week, which changed very quickly uh, to <laughs> run social media. So at the time I didn't have an assistant. I didn't have anyone else. That was my very first hire. Yeah. Um, within a very short period of time, we found that we just had a natural groove and I brought her on full time. Um, so she did marketing as well as client care and admin work. She now specifically only does marketing. Uh, and I hired a second staff, so my uh, second full-time staff last spring, uh, who oversees everything in terms of essentially uh, client care office manager role. Uh, I now have a buyer's agent. And then recently, actually, my husband started to work with me as well. Okay, that's awesome. And is he, yeah. an, is he an agent as well with you or doing other things? With no, so he handles everything from a financial perspective. So he oh, does perfect. Do he's completely financial management side of things. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of, we call him our gopher. Uh, so he does all of our, our running around. So in terms of he does sign installs, things like dropping off uh, client gifts, brochures, you name it. He's kind of a bit of the fill-in work for in terms of kind of everything and anything you can imagine. Uh, he will show up to a client's house and walk their dog for them during the shopping. Oh. So he's, he really is kind of a, a bit of a jack of all trades. On the yeah. Team. Oh, that's great. Yeah. When yeah. did, did you feel ready to hire your first person like or it, like I find either people hire before they're ready which is sometimes I think what most people recommend um but there's a lot of people that hire when they're completely in the weeds and drowning and just need somebody to save them so where were you in that phase where you realized you, yeah. you hired somebody yeah definitely drowning so okay. um I I <laughs> I would have been at that point, I probably would have been doing about, yeah, about 60 ends a year on my own before I actually made a hire. Okay. Uh, and even with that, the kind of funny story of how it came about was that uh, she actually sent me a message that I had some sort of typo or issue on my social media. 
And it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm sitting there doing like Facebook updates. And I joked, I said, yeah, this is why I really need to hire someone. And she said, oh, actually, I'm thinking of getting into doing kind of social media management. So um, and then last year, we hired Lori, our full-time staff, um, when we were doing at that point 130 transactions, and it was just myself and one staff. So I would say we are definitely um, not what I would advise doing. I would say you want to be a little bit more uh, <laughs> on okay. the ball in terms of hiring people. But I also believe as well, for us, it's really important to be that right person, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we have had a very natural way in which team members have joined us um, in, a, in a way in which that they were the very right people for those, those roles at that time. Right. And did they have any uh, real estate experience or were they more just specifically social media and marketing, that kind of stuff? No. So actually, uh, none of them have had real estate experience thus okay. far. And, I, and yeah. that is actually by design. I look yeah. at it very much based on a skill set. Um, that somebody has, as well as in terms of kind of the attitude um, and in terms of a bit around the character and personality. So we do disc assessments with everyone that joins us. Um, I always look at it as in terms of real estate can be taught, the back end can be taught, but I can't teach somebody how to show up to work every day and have a positive attitude. So we really hire based on on that. I love that. Yeah, no, I think that's yeah. really important. Um, yeah. Would you, so I know a lot of people sometimes struggle with the question of whether they hire more of an admin versus a buyer's agent, like where do you kind of fit within that? Do you think there's a way to do it or maybe it depends on the person? Mm -hmm. I think every, everybody has a different way that works for them. I only actually hired a buyer's agent last fall. So that was actually the last hire that I had. Um, So I had two full-time paid salary staff before the buyer's agent came on. Um, that would always be the way that I personally felt has worked really well. And my concept behind it is that I need a really good, strong back end of the business that can keep me going. And then if I bring on another salesperson, which we've now done, that then can support them in that role. Um, so I think that's, what's been really good for us. Uh, I kind of consider it and look at it that I can sell real estate. I can deal with people. I do that all day long. That's what I excel in. Uh, I don't excel in paperwork as most agents, I think. Um, So again, I've got uh, the two women that work with us are absolutely phenomenal. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where in terms of for me, I think that's one area that we don't put a strong enough emphasis on in this business is really hire well-suited candidates, experienced candidates, qualified candidates, and pay them well. Because a back-end staff, I find, is worth 10 times that of a buyer's agent, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right because they can anticipate where you need the most support and and provide that yeah. to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I think that makes sense. I've heard that from a lot of really great agents is that that's how they started as well um, as opposed to, I think a lot of people think that the, the first hire is a buyer's agent, but um, until you have your system set up, it's really hard mm-hmm. to even provide them with the right tools that they need to do really well. Um, for when you did hire your buyer's agent, did you hire somebody that was newer or was it somebody that just kind of fit with within your team that made more sense or how did you kind of figure out what would make more sense? Yeah. So I've actually hired both newer, uh, agents, which is interesting because I hear from a lot of people, that's what you shouldn't do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that too, but the, we do yeah. the same. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I hire newer. And again, it, it's for us really about culture. So in terms of the culture yeah. of our staff is really important to us and our team. We all work very intimately together. Um, so it's really important to us that we have someone that has that same positive outlook. Um, so whether or not they've been in the business a couple of years or they're brand new, 
again, I still have that philosophy is we can teach them anything they need to know uh, as long as they show up and they're ready and willing to do the work with a positive attitude. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. So looking back on your career, um, is there anything that you would change at all from how you've started and worked things mm -hmm. through? Um, I would say the one thing that I probably really should have done sooner was, was my hires in terms of that. I really, on both of the main ones, it was at a point where I was really struggling. I was really burnt out before I finally said, okay, enough is enough. I need to bring that staff on. Yeah. Um, so that would be the one thing I, I would say, looking back, definitely something that you should be looking at doing sooner rather than later, like I did. Yeah. I think all of us do that. It's, it's kind of, yeah. it's hard. Cause I think the fear is that you're not, you're either a not going to have enough work for them to do, or B you're not going to be able to afford it. And you're going to kind of land yourself in trouble. So, um, but then when I, we do it, I do find that it kind of pushes you and just keeps you motivated to keep doing more because you've got somebody that's helping you as well as you're bringing in more money. And it just, it kind of works out at the end of the day. I, I think we all figure out yeah. a way to figure it out. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. Um, so in terms of social media, um, mm -hmm. that's obviously something that's come into your work, um, as, as mm -hmm. things have progressed through the years. Um, I, I know you have somebody helping you out with that, but in terms of your videos yeah. and all that, like how much time do you typically spend a week, um, focused on videos and social media and all that kind of stuff? Um, less than 10 minutes, but being honest. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, that's good. <laughs> not a, not a lot. So in yeah. terms of, again, um, and again, that's by design. So it's just not yeah. something I have the ability to do a lot of, and I have yeah. someone who really understands me well and understands what we look at. So, um, it should be more time I would think, but at the same point in time, um, for me, it just is something that, uh, luckily I have very good capable people, people who are, are doing that. So I don't have to be too focused on it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that yeah. makes sense. Like, especially if somebody knows you really well and mm -hmm. is able to kind of emulate the same style and message that you would have. Um, yeah. That's what I've found that's been really helpful because it's not like it doesn't come across as fake. It's actually genuinely, you know, coming from the same sort of a message and, and purpose, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, and that, that I guess would say is my dirty little secret. Most people have no idea it's not actually me that's yeah. posting everything all the time. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I've had people message me clients and say, oh, something about XYZ. And um, I actually very rarely go on social media in a day. I tend to kind of, you know, check it at the end of the night or maybe if I've got some downtimes between appointments, but I'm actually pretty rarely on it. So even down mm -hmm. to if I snap a photo of myself or if I'm doing a video at a listing, I actually send it to um, my marketing staff member and she posts everything. So she makes sure that it's at the right time in the way that she wants to post it. Yeah, that's good. And it probably yeah. saves you a heck of a lot of time, not drowning in, you know, the social media like route that we always go into and start scrolling through everything. That's kind of, yeah, a time waste. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the main way, way for it for me is that if I go on to post something, the next thing I know I'm looking at this, that or the other, I know. And, you know, I think we've all been on there that I'm on there for hours. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm yeah. the same way. Um, do you do market reports, uh, like video market updates? Usually yeah, so that's what, what actually, yeah. that's probably what I spend my 10 minutes on. So every Monday I do a Monday market update okay. uh, and it's less than 60 seconds and it's the same overview every single week consistently. I've done that for about a year now. So Monday morning I wake up and that's the first thing that I do. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And then I do, so I probably a little bit more than 10 minutes. I do specialization videos too, in terms of kind of 
Um, I've explained what's going on in the real estate market with my kids' toys, you know, different things like that when the interest rates go up. So I would, on a pretty regular basis, I'm still posting other videos. Um, yeah. But again, I just, I just shoot it usually sitting here and then send it to, to Megan to, to post and uh, edit. Right. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So are you finding that still most like at this point in your career, are you like, where, where does it stand with like repeat referral business versus new business coming in? And where do you find mm -hmm. most of that new business is coming from? Yeah. So I would say at this point, it's a little bit harder. So we do track everything. So in yeah. terms of you know, I get still a very large percentage from farming. So I'm probably about 25 to 30% just from farming, but I would say that's where the lines are a little bit more blurred now. Uh, Cause I have a lot of people who will say, oh, I got your postcard, but I see you on social media, I see you here. So it's mm. pretty mixed in that way. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm probably about, um, you know, somewhere between 60-ish percent repeat referral and probably 40% kind of new business coming in somewhere around that lines. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. And so you're, you're number one in your area. Is that correct? Is that yep. right? Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. 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 So what is it, what do you have like planned? Like what, what do you foresee in the next, you know, let's say five to 10 years, where do you want mm -hmm. to take this team and your business? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I would say in terms of especially over the next few years, I think that we're going to be in for a bit of a more challenging market. Yeah. Uh, and our team is really based on customer service and giving good service to our clients and ensuring they're supported throughout. So to be really honest, we're less about necessarily wanting to do more transactions or anything to that extent. That's always great if we can. Yeah. Um, but at the same point in time, I think we're really just hyper-focused right now and ensuring our clients are supported. Um, my philosophy is, is that if you do a good job for people, if people trust you, um, and you serve them well, the business will just come naturally. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we do a lot of other things to continue to put our name out there, but we're a little bit more focused on that than I would say the actual um, growth from a, you know, how many more ends are we going to do next year? We do have a couple uh, things in the works uh, that we're not announcing as of yet, but we do have some pretty exciting things coming down the pipeline for business as well. That's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. 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 No, I think you're right. And you're definitely right in terms of where I think just where our industry is going in general. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're just focused on the transaction and just the more, the better, um, those are the, those are the real estate agents that are really going to struggle over the next few years. It's really about the people that are able to connect and provide that level of service and support to their clients. Mm -hmm. Cause it's such an emotional process and it's not just the transaction, like anybody can do the mm -hmm. transaction. It's really mm -hmm. about being there for your clients and making sure that every step of the way, whether they've already sold and they're running into, you know, they need help um, from you later on. Like it's just about being there. And I think that's yeah. where our value really is. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really great. Um, do you <laughs> find that your market is like, it, it is slowing? Like what, what are you seeing right now in Northumberland? Yeah, so we're down about 22% from um, where we were year to date last year from an overall volume perspective. So sales okay. are certainly down. Yeah. Uh, and we're up 7% for the average sale price from year to date last year. So I just actually okay. did my analysis on the first few months of the year. But again, that is certainly down. Uh, previous to that, we were hovering around 30% appreciation. So I think for our market being kind of an outer skirt market of Toronto, we've probably already seen as much of the changes we're going to see. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we're going to continue to see us go down from here. I think we've kind of had that correction period. 
Uh, and I suspect for the rest of the year, we're going to see a little bit more of a balance out in the market and potentially a slight increase. But I think we've probably seen the worst of the worst thus far. Yeah. So you think this yeah. recent increase isn't going to have as much of an impact the interest rates? Like, do you think it's kind of leveling out at this stage? I do think so. We are starting to see the sales pick up again, but again, in terms of we found that correction really around April and May for our particular marketplace. Um, So again, time will tell, but I don't personally think we're going to see that continue to kind of decline. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find people like during the pandemic, did you find a lot of people from the GTA or Toronto coming out your way to buy? And do you find them now coming back or do you find that most of them are still staying where they're at? I think we're going to see a bit of a migration back to the city, to be honest. Um, And I think, unfortunately, in our marketplace, it was fantastic. But a lot of the areas kind of outside of the GTA, we saw, you know, a rapid increase that was really not healthy. Um, you know, it's great yeah. if you're a homeschooler over the last couple of years, but it wasn't sustainable. We all knew at some point in time it would change. Yeah. Um, and we are starting to see some people go back to the city as well. So I think, mm-hmm. unfortunately, during COVID, a lot of people made decisions and some of those decisions were made from a place of perhaps emotion or, you know, not really necessarily too clear on what country lifestyle is like, because it's not necessarily for everyone. Um, And then I think we've also seen a lot more businesses call staff back that we weren't necessarily anticipating. Um, Mm. So I think we'll still see a lot of people stick around, but I think with anything, people are going to decide, you know what, maybe this isn't the right lifestyle for me. And we're going to see some people move back to the city as well. Exactly. Do you find, is there a lot of development, like new development happening in your neighborhood or not, or area? No, and that's actually one of the biggest issues we have in our market and why our numbers are where they are, is that we really lack a new construction development. So in terms of when it comes to our local communities, we have very few residential developments even being done right now and anything that's out there is, is pretty sold off. So unfortunately, not having that new construction to offset uh, resale is part of what's really pushed the resale pricing up the last few years. Yeah. And is, is that coming, like, do you know if there's any plans to open that up in terms of rules and being able to um, develop land in your area or hard to say? Um, time will tell. Well, I know the provincial government has made some announcements around some investments in that. Yeah. Uh, and we would certainly fall into that. Again, being a small rural community, uh, typically speaking, not to get too much of the nitty gritty of it, but you know, we have one planner in each municipality. So in terms of there's a lot of roadblocks to development, um, there's a lot of people that aren't in support of it. Um, so time will tell, but it's definitely something that's very drastically needed as we are one of the most unaffordable housing markets now in the province in Northumberland. Yeah, I know it's yeah. crazy how it just hit. Yeah. And yeah, no, but uh, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see where things go from here. But I, I, I agree with you. I think we've kind of hit the bottom. And now, uh, I don't know if I, I'm I know we never know, we never have a crystal ball, but I think my hope is that it'll, I've definitely seen like things pricing level out in our area as well. So um, I think it's just about getting sellers to that point where they've got to accept that March or April or whatever the height of your market was, is just not going to be feasible at this stage, which I think, do you find that's a challenge at this point for you as well? 
It is. And I think now people are starting to kind of understand that reality a little bit more, but it certainly has been a challenging couple months. And I keep having the conversations with people. We're still up. They're still up significantly over where the value of your home would have been last year, the year before. Mm -hmm. You're just not up 70%. Um, But again, I think there's a lot of people that as that change in the market has kind of, you know, set in for them are are disappointed with sometimes, unfortunately, the results they've seen. But I do think that we're starting to kind of get out of that uh, correctional kind of period right now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so as we wrap up, if anybody has any questions in the group, um, we've had a lot of good comments about uh, the interview, so that's great. Um, but if anybody does have any questions, feel free to jump in. Um, I guess maybe just if you guys, if you, if you guys, if you can tell me, um, what you're working on now, like I know you've got those, the, the lawn signs that have come out, um, for your community. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so that is a really exciting initiative that we've done that we've gotten a lot of really good uptake on. So it's called Everyone's Welcome in Northumberland. So one of my passion projects. Uh, And I basically came up with the idea, you know, as we know, last year, we had the Every Child Matter signs were out quite a bit. Um, And then we are obviously during Pride Month. So what we wanted to do was do something that just really showcased our community being a welcoming and accepting community. Uh, Like a lot of other communities, we actually do have initiative around Ukraine refugees coming to our local community. There's a Mm. huge support for that. I know that we've recently welcomed 25 families. So it's really uh, kind of twofold is that it's focused on putting that out there uh, to say essentially we are a welcoming community so people can get those yard science boards for free. Uh, And then we also have a fundraising component with it as well that's being uh, uh, broken down to go to three different local organizations, one that supports Ukraine refugees, one that supports our local Alderville First Nations community, and one that supports uh, obviously an event that's near to my heart, which is uh, Pride for Kids. Right. Oh, that's so amazing. It just gives me chills. Like that's just like, it's like the perfect combination. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's been uh, very popular. We actually are probably going to be running out of science here shortly. So we're going to have to order some more, but uh, you know, I think a lot of us out there have just kind of what was behind the campaign is that we know there's been a lot of hurt over recent years and there's a lot more work to be done when it comes to inclusion of everyone. Um, And so we just wanted to find a way to, you know, what can we do with the community to show that we love and support everyone for who they are naturally within their hearts and make sure, especially when we have newcomers to our community, which we're seeing a lot of right now, mm-hmm. uh, that they feel welcome and safe to call North Island home. That's awesome. Well, if you haven't seen Jacqueline signs, I, it's on her Instagram, check it out. They're, they're amazing. And I've seen just like your stories being shared and all the uptick on the amount of people that are wanting the signs. It's just incredible. So great job on that. Thank you. Yeah, we're very happy. And we actually, we had a $3,000 fundraising goal and I think we hit it within the first couple of days. So now we're reevaluating to see what we're going to do for the next goal on that one because it does run throughout the entire month of June. Okay. So where are you at now on that? I think I have to check. I know we're over three. Uh, To be honest, I haven't checked it the last week. So I just, I've been pretty busy myself, but I know that we hit that pretty quickly. Yeah. And we're, it's only June 10th. So that's incredible. Well, great job. Yeah. So where can people find you? Where's the best place for people to connect with you, see what you're up to? Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook, obviously, Jacqueline Pennington or uh, Pennington Remax is my Instagram account. I would say that's probably the best way to follow me and uh, follow a lot of our crazy adventures in Northumberland real estate. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. I really appreciate your time today. Um, and this will be our podcast for Monday. So if you didn't get a chance to check out the whole interview, I mean, you, it'll be on the Facebook group, but you can definitely check it out as well on the podcast. So have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks so much, Jacqueline. 
Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Level up, 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 level up,